0: and hear the stories of...
1: Everybody, and welcome to True Stories of Tinseltown. And I have a wonderful guest for us today. He has been on before, and I really, really, really loved having him. And uh, he is Tom Forian. He is a father, he is a father of a newborn, two months old. So I can get out of that. Yeah. I was gonna say you're the father of Dick Ferran, but no, Dick Ferran no, is your be, dad. That would
0: be odd. I'd yes. be really old. So, yeah.
1: congratulations on your two month old baby, Wyatt, and I'm really happy for you. Um, but Thank you, thank you. When Tom had come on, Dick Ferran, you guys all know him. He has been in so many things. He did Abbott and Costello stuff, he did two movies with Bogey, Petrified Forest, and one we're going to talk about today, which is called Black Legion. And when I spoke to Tom the last time, I, it had just been on TCM, I think, the week before. And I said, have you ever seen it? And he said, no. So I gave him a challenge, if he choose to accept it, to watch his father's movie, <laughs> Black Legion, and come on the show. And if he accepts, the email would just disappear in 30 seconds. <laughs> dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. So you accepted.
0: Yes, ma'am. And it, and it was great. It was great. I really enjoyed it.
1: But it's we have to say it's not a seeing cowboy, hippie <laughs> tie yay kind of movie. It's heavy duty. No,
0: heavy it, duty. It is. It is. And, you know, I did, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of that movie because I, I thought it was, well... Let me backtrack a little. In, in watching it, the, the the thought that that really hit me was: there's a reason why classic movies are so important to us. I mean, not just because they're they're you know, wonderfully acted and, and timeless stories and these kind of things, but because they they reflect the the history that that tends to repeat itself. and, and Black Legion is so topical for oh, all the exactly. things that are happening today. Yes. I'm shocked. Even yeah, word
1: was, for word in some sentences.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's that,
1: being said. It's amazing.
0: So um, I did a little research on, on, on how it happened, you know, how, how the studio got behind it. And basically, at the time, the director, Archie Mayo, had just worked with Bogart and my dad and Betty Davis and Leslie Howard and all of them in Petrified Forest, and and the year he was still, there there had been a case where a member of the Black Legion. I didn't even know it was
1: true. I'm glad it's a true I researched, story. Yeah. I researched it after. I just thought they were playing off the Ku Klux Klan, but they were an actual offshoot. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like oh, I no, said, no, no, I didn't I was, know. I really didn't know until today when I looked it up.
0: Exactly. They, they, they were real, because when you saw their, their, oh, they're not in their white robes, they're in black robes. Right. How silly. You know? Yeah. And they have the silly little skull and crossbones, but that was yes. their
1: actual, I know, attire. like a pirate thing on top of their head. <laughs> exactly. It was and they, very weird.
0: They, they were, and they, they kind of felt that the clan was, was, too narrow and it's it's hatred Hatred. so they wanted to hate a lot more they they had they had gobs of hatred to get out there and and the clan didn't go far enough and so that's where where they started and i guess uh the character played by bogart did end up shooting they killed a lot of people they killed 50 60 people but the one person that 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 character shot uh ended up bringing them down. And, and while the movie and old Archie Mayo the director probably took some cinematic license and how, you know, in this big courtroom drama at the end of the movie, uh, certainly, uh, that's what happened. And they brought down the, the leaders of that group. And, and it was interesting because, you know, they talked about that group talked about and they, and, and, Bogart brought it up how the framers of the Constitution wouldn't want all these foreigners and this yes. is not what they intended. Mm-hmm. And, and that sounds a lot like some other people we heard recently that were talking patriots. about. patriots, be patriots, you yeah, know. Be a patriot and, you know, Congress doesn't know what it's doing, so let's storm Congress. And it's just very, it's very time, timely. Now, I don't know if the movie holds up to the test of time and a lot of the dialogue and stuff is right on the, on the nose, if you would, but, but uh, the themes are it's shockingly relevant.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's why I, I really wanted you to see that movie, because I thought your, your father was sort of the moral centerpiece of that movie. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm like, how could he have not seen this wonderful movie that his father did? Yes, they also left the Klan because they did not. They were, they were more violent than the Klan,
0: yeah, they were. They sounded like some some really bad guys, and 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 they uh, just that. They they felt like I guess they were the leaders were like the I, I don't know what you call them, but the guard of the Grand Poobas of the clan. <laughs> they were, you know, I call the them Grand Muscle, too. <laughs> yeah, whoever they're wizards. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, so they they. Felt like, well, you know, these all these foreigners and they directed their hatred toward the Catholics and the Jews and southern Europeans and eastern Europeans, Italians, italians. We can hate everybody, anybody that's not
1: white and Protestant, but you know, the majority of them didn't come on the Mayflower, you know what I mean? Their parents were immigrants at one time, and it just the whole thing. But it is so do your patriotic duty, do this, and, and and then. You know, I did you read with the, the real guys how they would get people in the club? They would kidnap them and make them join.
0: Good God, yeah. Well,
1: that sounds you know,
0: sounds about right. <laughs> <That's> pretty horrible. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. And they had they claimed at one time they had they were about three hundred thousand members strong. Yes, you know? Unbelievable.
1: So and forced their states. message
0: yeah, their their message hit home with a lot of people, but it came they they again came out at a time when when, uh, the great depression hit. Mm -hmm. And so most of the recruitment came when people were out of jobs, looking for hope, wanting to place blame on, on somebody, anybody, some group. And that's a, that's a powerful, that's a powerful message. And like here today with a lot of people suffering from, from COVID and what have you, you know, the, the, there's been a lot of extremism again and, and you hear the same rhetoric, so it's, it's,
1: it's it's really ugly today, because it's just so divided, and, you know, we are not, you know, taking up anybody's cause here, you know, we're not discussing our politics, but we're discussing fact, whatever way you see it, this is our, our, the way we see these things, and, you know, just the hatred, and the spewing, and Jesus, another gun shooting, tons of shootings going on, and, You know, the pandemic, people out of work. It's just been a really rough time. But it's also been awful. And propaganda up the wazoo, you know, playing 24 hours a day if you want to watch it, to really get you angry. And this is just an instance I just want to talk about. There was this guy who, uh, after I got divorced, we went out a couple of times. But, you know, he was not my love connection. And so we... We stayed friends, and I hadn't heard from him a while, and then um, I f- mistakenly threw him a picture to someone else who had his name, too. I didn't put the last name, so I don't know right. what it was. So he said, you sent it to the wrong, <laughs> the wrong whatever his name was. <laughs> and then I say, how are you doing? And he gets into a text rant about... How he hates everything. He's moving to red states, and it, he was just filled with rage and hate and hate and, hate and rage and hate and rage, and rage, just on his thing. Everything capital letters, and he said he and he watches, you know, Fox News or all these things. Any of these CNN, you can't watch news twenty four seven, and he just no. stayed there and watched. And I'm like, this man, man, has he changed? And, you know, he lost a lot of things and his anger and hatred. And he would have joined the Black Legion, I think. I don't think they would have had to kidnap him. <laughs> there
0: you <laughs> go. You know, I just he don't. would have worked his way up in the ranks. Huh? Yeah, so it, it, it's, it's interesting. And, and the other part of it that I thought about that film that was interesting was I never really knew too much about Archie Mayo, the d- director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he had a quite a prolific career. And, and it seemed like at the time, he really gravitated toward these powerful stories and, and wanted to, wanted to say, Hey, look, everybody, this is what America is because petrified forest, you know, the year before that, I mean, obviously that was another very powerful movie that, that talked about when people are at their lowest, what are the, what are they going to do? And glamorize? you know, they they, they might rob banks and, 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 takes actions that they normally wouldn't. And I think he really liked uh, looking at those themes and those messages, uh, you know, at a time when a lot of directors
1: were just trying to make fun movies. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why some people which is great too. watch those yeah. kind of films. But I do highly recommend watching this because I thought Bogart was really good. I loved him playing a blue-collar Joe kind of dude. Um, he even said dat a couple times. dat, yeah. I you know, and he, he I thought he's so young and he was absolutely adorable. And yeah. the woman yeah. who played his wife, I've never heard of her before. She was great and the little She kid, was excellent. Wasn't yeah, she? she? She was just They and then, were all good. They were yeah. great. Anne Sheridan played your father, who who mm-hmm. uh your father's uh the, girlfriend. Yeah. An eventual fiance, but your dad in the beginning was kind of like he—he was hungover. He was going out with the town floozy, Mrs. Danvers, not from Rebecca, but Mrs. Danvers, who was the town trollop, and you know whatever. She was something else, and um, the whole the whole thing sort of starts with he, uh, one of the guys, the foreman of the shop. They they're machinists. They work in a shop, and it's union whatever, and. He gets a promotion. So they're like, well, who's going to get your part? And everybody thinks it's going to be Bogart because he's been there the longest, and he's a good worker, whatever. But there's also a kid they make fun of, and he must be second generation Polish because there's no accent on him. And right. um, he is, you know, they're American citizens. And he studied, and he learned, and he invented something, and he ended up getting the job. and. Right. Oh, he was livid, livid, livid in every step of the way. And, um, he wants you know he's already looking at cars this is what kills me i even got my wife a new vacuum cleaner, <laughs> I,
0: know, <laughs> the vacuum is, cleaner. <laughs> I know i gave her everything a new vacuum cleaner yeah it's it's
1: get her bad. a maid and yeah. um the next door neighbors <laughs> i don't know where your father was living um he was i don't know if he was living with those people his
0: yeah it was a little unclear because he he was as you said running around the the town trollop and then he uh always seemed to be kind of living with who became his fiance. So it was just sort of an interesting uh, uh, piece there, how that, that worked out.
1: And his but, name was you know. Tom, just like yours. <laughs> and, um,
0: Foreshadowing. Yes. For
1: sure. So yeah. Bogey's getting bitter. And then one night, you know, he listens to this thing. He's, he's listening to the radio. And um, the kid in him usually listen to some speedy somebody guy, you know, like cartoon serial. Right. And he listens, and it's this whole, be a patriot. We don't want foreigners coming and taking our jobs. We want the white way, the American way. You know, just only white people, American, that's it. So um, he listens to it. And then the next day, that funny Do you remember the hats they were wearing? They they look like Goober on on Andy Griffith very very
0: 30s. What did no what what were those like baseball
1: caps? right? Like? Yeah, they're kind of
0: a <laughs> I don't even know what you what you call them, but they're they're not just a regular fedora. It's more of a
1: No, yeah, it's, it's just like this funny looking thing and if you've ever right. seen Andy Griffith, it's kind of a goober hat that yeah. Goober used to wear. And I was just looking at that. Another good guy uh but who was a boo his guy was a coworker of Bogart's and his best friend, Tom, your father, and but, he says, hey, this guy, he shouldn't have had your job. I want you to come to this place and join our, our thing. And do you hate this? And kind of gives him the whole spiel. And it's like he goes to a drugstore with this, like, I don't know, this guy's been in a lot of movies. I mean, it's a character actor who owns this drugstore. And the floozy's there. And um, she just is making time of day. And they, then he has to do a secret knock, and they go in the back. And they have the leader there who is spouting the propaganda. You know, the foreigners are coming. They're taking our jobs. And it's just like today. They're doing this. They're doing that. And we are white men. We are patriotic. We must be patriotic. And we, they're going to take over our country. They're going to do all of this stuff, which is so what is being said sometimes. Right. And was being said. So, it, and, and he ends up going to get they take him to this big field, the new people who are signing up to get, and he is reading his vows by, he has a gun to his head.
0: Yeah, I thought that was an interesting, interesting little piece. And I don't know, you know, who knows what that society, that wacky group did, but I thought it was interesting to do that, at least as a cinematic device. Yes. uh, To, to, to weigh in on how, serious this group is and, and how really once Bogart committed, he, uh, you know, he, he knew what, what his options were. Um, it it was, that was an, I've never seen that before. It was kind of an interesting uh, thing the director probably threw in there.
1: But who knows? Because look <coughs> at, they kidnapped yeah. people to, to join, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And so, you know, he's there. And then he didn't want to say some final piece like, if you betray us, you will burn in hell and we will torture you. <laughs> he said, Do I have right, to say right, this? Right, right. And they said, yeah. Yes, as a gun is still at his head. And then the guys are all psyched about getting their uniforms. And they find out they have to pay 14 bucks and 30 right. bucks for a special, special gun. For
0: the 38, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I thought it was also interesting the scene where he was he you know bought himself his gun and he oh, has his excuse yes. to his family how I'm going to protect you and yeah. and then. You know, I'll I'll bet you anything um, that Scorsese had watched that scene because the taxi driver scene with De Niro where he's practicing with the gun in the mirror.
1: Yes, that was an amazing felt, scene.
0: Mm. Right. It felt so similar. It, it, you know, and, and here you have Bogart, you know, admiring himself with the gun and practicing, Tough guy. And the, yeah. you know, how to how to handle it and where to put it. And, yeah, I thought it was was kind of interesting there. Oh, that, he
1: He knew now. I have a gun, mm-hmm. and he sort of like was defiant, made different faces, and it was a really good scene. Seeing this man for the first time hold a gun and know that right. that's power and powerful because you can kill somebody pow, one right. second. So, yeah, I like that scene as well. And um, then uh, they go. What do they do? They round up in these cars. They're all wearing their stupid outfits. He tells his wife it's a lodge, like, um, you know, the honeymooner's lodge or something. Right. Um, the, moose, the moose lodge. Yeah. 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 And he's off. And all these guys go and they go to the Dubrowskis. This is a guy who bogey said took his job. They go to the Dubrowskis and they open, they knock on the door. And the immigrant father comes out and he says, What do you want? And, you foreigners can't take odd jobs. And, right. um, he said we we're American citizens, and and they they start a fire on their farm, and I guess they kidnapped them and threatened them with death. I don't know if they they don't tell us what like happened. It sounded like they
0: stuck them on a train. Is what I I gathered from it. They yeah. they kidnapped them, beat them up bad, whipped them because that seemed to be their favorite thing to do. Horrible. Um, yeah, and then and then threw them, threw them on a train to get out of town. And and you know at the time, I mean that's you know you can't necessarily go to the police you know no, shockingly the police afraid. were yeah. oh yes yeah, yeah, poli- part of they're it scared as well. the police and the police are part of that organization they were very corrupt at the time and uh you know it's just an interesting uh way to solve you know to, the way to solve their problems but you also have to remember at that time traveling anywhere was not that easy too mm-hmm. so like you know, I mean, if they're sent out of the the city, they can't go to the police. Their businesses have been burned down. They might as well start wherever the train lands, basically.
1: Poor things, but at least they didn't get yeah. killed. Or, yeah. So then Bogart. Next thing we th- see, he is the f- the foreman, and you know, your father's joke. Tom, his best friend, is joking around with him, whatever, and right. um, he gets this thing that. This memo, which is what about the scene with the guys, the businessmen sitting in that room, nice oh, room, right, right, right. and discussing the money? This was not really about beliefs for them. This was a money-making thing,
0: right? Which I thought was also really smart of them mm-hmm. to put into that into that story that, you know, they're they're manipulating hate for profit.
1: Doesn't that sound uh, familiar? Hmm. Exactly, exactly. And
0: and I thought. That was really smart and, again, tells that timeless tale of, of what, you know, when people are all stirred up, you can get them to do a lot of things, including buy that special gun.
1: Yes, to for make $30, yeah, yep. and they were making a lot of money because the guy was saying, well, you know, the other thing we tried to put together, but it wasn't anything to do with, you know, being the Black Legion, but it, it – it, it just kind of showing us that behind all these organizations is the big cheese who puts you out there and as much as you don't think you're being led, you are being led. You must obey us, is what the guy said to all the new people. Why you know, why us? You have to be loyal and keep loyal to us. And if you betray us, you're dead, basically. And so he becomes this guy, he gets a new car, he gets his wife the freaking vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. I couldn't help right. myself. And, um, you know, they're just the sweet little family. And your father shuns the floozy, Mrs. Danvers, at the drugstore. And he asks his, the, the adorably young Ann Sheridan to marry him. And mm-hmm. seem uh, things seem okay for him. But then bogey they tell each member that if they they have to recruit two new members that's what they decided right. when they were talking about the money to make more money right yeah to
0: make more money yeah
1: and so he takes one of the guys in and starts filling him and the guy let's face it is no genius and he's telling him, oh yeah yeah do you want him to do this they want take your your work and, and your life and your family and take over our country, yeah, yeah, and so he becomes one, and I guess he got got his two, but he left. They were smoking, and the guy who was Bogey's boss, something happened, and Bogey gets canned because he was doing recruiting on the job.
0: Right, right. He's going to have a hard time paying off the vacuum now. Yes, exactly, and And he had to take
1: the car back, I believe. Yeah. And um, I think... (laughs) I, think, I hope the vacuum got to go. Why not get her a maid, pal? You know what I mean. <laughs>
0: exactly. They didn't
1: cause up much. She, made, she was, and I, I let me see her name. She was really, I liked her a lot, and her acting was really wonderful. I thought, and uh, oh yeah, for sure, she was.
0: Fat. I thought everybody was was <laughs> really, really good in this movie. In fact, I read somewhere it talked about how a lot of historians, film historians. Feel that that was really Bogart's big first big role where he carried a movie and really stood out from other actors. And he really
1: did. I agree. That
0: should have been what what really launched his career. But as we know, uh, High Sierra and and um, Maltese Falcon uh, were really what what you know knocked him into orbit. Really. But this shows uh, you what
1: a good actor he was, and also you know playing uh, yeah. a. You know, a blue-collar dude. Like, they they drive by night as well. Leanne Sheridan was in it, but she was uh, George Raft's chick. And, um, right. you know, he really played those parts so well. I thought he was really good. And this is one movie that I really thought he he was wonderful in. And it won awards. He won a Best Actor yeah. award for something. And the movie won awards. And he really was good. you got to see him. Cute as a button and really... You know, horrible and poignant, and all these things. So, um, one night he gets his wife leaves him because she. Oh, this is it. He gets quit. Guess who gets a job? It's his neighbor, the Irish guy, his friend, his wife's friend, whatever. And they come, the whole group in their ugly black outfits, and they put tie them into the tree, and they flog him, and he's. He's like this old dude, and they're flogging him.
0: Right. Poor old Irish guy. Yeah,
1: poor old Irish yeah. guy, and he almost dies. And you know, he's just a love, never, no, no enemies in the world, but these jerks do it. And right. um, he's um, he's almost dead. Whatever, but he lives. He he makes it. And then he, the wife. I don't know where it gets put into her head that he. Happens well, my my to
0: dad, uh, the Tom character talks to her in the kitchen and and starts saying you know where was he where was he when such and such happened and such and such happened well he was at a lodge a lodge have you met the guys from the lodge do you know what the lodge is you know and she starts putting it together there
1: yes and she confronts him and then i I think he admits it doesn't he he admits it to her
0: he yes he does he does admit it um and then of course you know he's he's uh has to yeah. We'll, well, Tom, the character Tom, uh, confronts him and is like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to go to the police." And that's apparently what happened in real life. Was the the character that Bogart was playing killed his friend for fear that he was going to be expo- exposed?
1: Well, exactly, uh, which was awful. First, the wife leaves him after Bogie right. confesses, <laughs> and right. um. Tom, Bogey gets drunk. Mrs. Danvers goes to his house and they're singing mm-hmm. and drinking and the house is a mess. And um, your, your fa- Tom, the character, comes in and, you know, literally throws her out, not beating her up or anything, but throws her, picks her up and carries her out and takes her out and kind of tosses her on the ground. And he gets, the, she, she says he's a woman beater, so right. all of a sudden, he's bad. But then Bogey, because he's so drunk, has loose lips, and Tom hears it, says, I'm going to go to the, the cops. And Bogey convinces him he's going to change and not do it, but they wouldn't let him out. Right. He only said to one person, they said, you're, you won't get out. They'll, they'll, you'll never get out of here. And you're trapped. So basically... Um, they kidnap Tom and bring him to this place where they are going to flog him to shut him up and to scare him and tell him that they're going to kill everybody involved with him. But Tom runs away and he doesn't run too far. Pop, pop, pop. Three shots. And uh, Bogat shot him, his best friend. And he freaks out. And they all drive away and and Bogart gets caught. He I mean he's like the the most guilty person in the world at the cafe. You know, then the cops right, come right, in right. and they talk about finding the body of Tom. And I was I cried. I have to be honest, I cried when they killed your father. <laughs> <laughs> he got killed a lot. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Yeah. yeah. I just did. And I thought he was so wonderful and adore. he was a very good looking dude. No wonder. He really was a handsome guy, yeah. and, well, and
0: and Jack Warner really liked him. I mean, Jack's who changed his name from Nick to Dick, and and uh, they they were friends, and mm-hmm. and he always liked him in that kind of a role, uh, you know. And this was a Warner Brother picture. Uh, so whenever a role came up where they needed the wholesome kind of good guy, all American guy, uh the love interest, maybe the guy who didn't get the girl, you know, that kind of kind of role, uh, he'd get the nod a lot. And then of course everything changed when they started uh realizing how how bankable Westerns were. Um and that really switched his career. But you know, like I've had a lot of people through the years tell me and and it's always nice to hear they're like man your father was a great actor he wasn't just one of the cowboy guys no, like he I, could I'm like yeah no he could he could act he had, a, he had a long career and it was just an interesting interesting twist of hollywood how how uh they realized how much money could be generated from cowboys and and one thing that i thought uh would be kind of fun to talk a little bit about today is uh the race when we finish up with the black legion of course um, was the race that that my father found himself in at Warner Brothers with uh, Gene Autry because they were in a, a, a race to, to to capitalize on on the singing cowboy and get the first true singing cowboy movie out there?
1: Yeah, I uh, want to talk about that because we did yeah. talk about the singing cowboy thing, and I watched a few of your father's singing cowboy clips and things like that today, um, right. and. They have a whole – he's famous enough. He doesn't know this. Ten things you didn't know about Dick Ferran on YouTube. <laughs> oh,
0: perfect. <laughs> you I'll, send you. I'll send I'm, it I'm to you. I'll send to you. I'm willing to bet. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm willing to bet. I'll make it 11 things.
1: So. <laughs> oh, great. That'd be wonderful. Anyway, yeah. uh, he it basically – he just was like, I did, I did it. And then he has his own lawyer. And another lawyer comes in. We don't know this guy, right? This isn't one of the people. Yeah. So he comes in and says, okay, this is a story. He was their
0: friend. He was the friend of the Black Legion.
1: Yes. And this lawyer came in and said, this is a story. Memorize it. If you don't, we will kill your wife and your child. This is a story. Stick to it. And so basically he said it was self-defense and, you know, Tom was trying to kill him And this Mrs. Trollope lady um, gets on the stand and says the same thing, covering for him. And then he just says, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. He he comes clean. And then he says, these guys in the room. And actually, that happened. You know, that there were 12 men. They were standing in front of the judge. And they all got... I guess not all of them got put in some got out. I think one was acquitted couple got lesser sentences, but the rest got life in prison.
0: Yeah. You know, one, one part of that, uh, that I really liked was the, the monologue that the judge gave, Mm -hmm. uh, quoting some of the Gettysburg address and, and, and other, what the framers truly intended and how, how the the verbiage you chose uh was i thought wonderful that little that little piece
1: yes you know what a lot of people didn't like that they thought it was too preachy or whatever but i thought it fit perfectly i thought yeah. you know
0: it was just it's not Look, a pretty the, the movie. whole movie yeah and the whole movie was very on the nose so if you're gonna be on the nose <laughs> you know go all in i i you know in terms of being preachy and what have you i mean like a lot of the dialogue through it, I thought, was, was kind of like that. I mean, but that he was trying to, you know, you could see Archie Mayo trying to really make sure this point wasn't missed because it was important to him to expose how horrible this, the, these racist organizations were. And so he was doing his best. And I thought I could see, I could picture him behind his typewriter um uh, hammering out that monologue for the for the judge to tie it all in. And I thought I thought it was really well
1: done. I did too. I like uh, I loved the whole movie. I I let me see I, I was gonna say the name of the woman. I didn't see if there was anything else she was in. Her name was Aaron O'Brien Moore. She played Ruth Taylor. There's your dad he's second building of Humphrey. I think this is a first starring role. He got the he got the starring role, like the name yeah. had the title. This is Bogies First.
0: Right. right. And it was because of Petrified Forest that they had worked in because Archie directed that.
1: Did your father? I wonder if he got along with Bogues. Oh, they were, yeah, they were, they were friends and, and they
0: they got into all sorts of mischief together. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because you look at the, the group from Petrified Forest Um You know, my dad ended up doing three or four pictures with Betty Davis too. I know. Uh,
1: The sisters. He did the sisters with her. And I can't Dangerous. Dangerous. Oh yeah, he was the best friend of Franchone.
0: Mm-hmm. Danger he did a bunch.
1: Yeah. You guys have to check them out. I really like them. You'll like them too. And if you love Abbott, Costello stuff or any of this stuff. And like, I was telling Tom I was watching Horror Island the other day.
0: (laughs) Another one I haven't seen, by the way. (laughs) Don't
1: Don't watch it. It's your father. He was great. But the movie, I, I like like scary movies or something, but it was not. It was just like... No, he there, was there great were though. a
0: lot of those. Yeah, there were a lot of those. To you watch know, it. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you start looking at, and that's probably what scared me away from from Black Legion, uh, from having. Watched it before before we chatted, was there? There were quite a few movies that just were like, oh, it's going to be work to get through. I love my father, but this this is going to be a little hard to watch. And he did a couple hundred pictures, so I mean, no, know. You know, the rest of them were a lot of great ones, you know. So he
1: did a lot of work. Haven't. He did the sisters. He did like three movies with Claude Rains, mm-hmm. um, which were jeez. Oh, he played that nice guy that the other woman didn't like. Oh, he was so good. Um, and his his stuff. But I have to say, what would you recommend Black Legion to people?
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially in everything that's happening uh, in this day and age, everything that's happening, you know, in, in, in Minnesota, everything that. All the hatred. Capitol, yes. all, you know, this is this is just history repeating itself time and time again. And. and like I said, if there's such, there's so many reasons to appreciate the history, the cinematic history of, of, of Hollywood, um, and, and and these important themes is just one of the many, many reasons that people should watch these movies and 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 you know get get a taste of of, of how history does repeat itself, and you know we always feel like. Yeah, we've never had this happen before. Well, yeah, it we probably have. has. Yeah, it <laughs> probably do you, has.
1: Do you know what happened? I was reading when I was reading up about the the Black Legion. Um, my friend is doing a book, and she's doing one, and and uh, she's talking about directors, and she's talking about uh, D.W. Griffith, Birth of a Nation, nineteen fifteen, sure. and, and I at, got the
0: Klan all w- worked yes. up.
1: Yeah, they woke up again. You know, they were like, "Yeah," and this just started them being horrible again. So yep. it's amazing that uh, what movies can do and what people, especially in groups, to me they're cowards. These these group of men and they're extra cowards because they don't they have to wear their masks. They were going to have mm-hmm. the Ku-, Ku Klux Klan was going to march in New York City. They said, "You can." But you have, you can't wear a hood. And I think one guy showed up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It's classic. Yes. The rest of, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just I wanted
1: to show you a good movie that your father was in, and I'm so glad you watched it and yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. You know, not that, like we sang, it's a dark, it's, it's a really dark movie. Bo- they're all fabulous. Bogart's great. Um, your dad's great. They're all fabulous. It's timely and sad that it's timely. And oh, man. Um, you'll like it. I, I give it a definite thumbs up, big time. Yep. Watch it. Okay, Definitely. so let's talk about the singing cowboy, Whoopie yay stuff.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, well, the first thing I, I, I have to say, we were we talked a little bit about Gene Autry mm-hmm. the last time I was on your show, and and we we misspoke. His, his horse was was Champion, the Wonder Horse, not Trigger, it wasn't Trigger? Yes, no, I know. No, that no, no. was, was Roy Rogers, champion. right? <laughs> yes, it was it was Champion, the Wonder Horse. My father's horse was Smokey, uh, and but, I know yeah, he
1: had a, he had a fake name smoke
0: (laughs) yep yep exactly um but but yeah the the it's it's such a great part of of americana and you know the the western and the cowboy of the silver screen i think really helped define america in a lot of ways uh it was in the time before marvel of course and these these this Cowboy became, became an icon and a hero and a hero to kids and somebody that, that knew right and wrong and good and bad. And, and in the end, good would triumph over evil. And, and all these themes that, that really helped shape, helped shape not just the cinema, but who we were, uh, as a nation, I think, you know, came out of those Westerns and, you know, the rest of the world, uh, looks to the cowboy Americans are referred to as, you know, those cowboys over there and that kind of thing. And that came, you know, in large part from, from what was portrayed on the silver screen. And my dad was a large part of that. And, and I'm, I'm proud of it. It was kind of a neat, neat period of history to be connected to. Very
1: now you're saying that they were, they were kind of like dueling Gene Autry versus your dad. Well, they had,
0: um, there had been a couple attempts at, at singing Cowboys and Mm -hmm. they, they learned, they learned that, uh, uh, there was a real market and, you know, in the end the studios want to make a buck. So they, Jack, you know, as I said, was, was very fond of my dad and he didn't, Mm -hmm. Jack Warner. Yeah. And he didn't like, he didn't like actors a whole lot, but they got along good. And there was another a producer named Nat Levine who kind of ran a Poverty Row-type studio mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and and he, he also recognized this, but this guy was smart and he was scrappy. And he heard that there was a radio show going on in Chicago that was very, very popular with a cowboy-type singer. So he went out to Chicago, and it was Gene Autry's show. And he was able to get Gene Autry to sign – and to, to come out to Hollywood. So Jack heard about this and wanted to beat them to the punch and get the first singing cowboy picture released. And, and uh, Jack had all the, you know, all the accoutrements of Warners. I mean, he had huge access to actors, uh, production value, all of those things where Levine and Autry really didn't. And Autry, uh, my dad had a Beautiful singing voice, you know. He sang on Broadway. Oh, he
1: really did. Yes. He could really. He, he was could a, really,
0: really a band sing.
1: singer prior. He had a wonderful voice, not one yeah. of those annoying voices, just one of these really nice, pleasant. He was a crooner, and he, yeah, yeah and he. Uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you again, but no, no, I, no, go ahead. I just, I, I just didn't know how good, you know, and I'm so glad you contacted me because I, I'm really, I know this guy, no and I'm really. I really like your dad. I like his work. I like his singing. But he also did Broadway, you know, with the American Yankee uh, from Connecticut. Connecticut
0: Yankee. Yeah. Connecticut Yankee <laughs> <Yeah>. and
1: King <laughs> Arthur's Court. <laughs> he was a Yankee.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he could, could, you know, a funny story. Um, he worked a lot with, with John Ford later on yes. you know, after this this race we'll get back to. But even when he wasn't working on a picture, John would call him up and ask him to sing a song to him over the phone. And, and they would do this often. I mean, he, he had a, and, and in both of the movies, um, that he did with John Ford, uh, Ford Apache and Donovan's reef. Of course he had to sing in both of those movies cause John liked his, his voice so much.
1: Yes. I saw a cute um, clip, very nice clip. So, but,
0: but anyway, so, so Jack Warner, uh, worked hard to get, get my dad out to, to be the first thing in cowboy. And they lost the race by about a week or so, uh, in terms of the, uh, Autry's movie got out first. And then it didn't do, it was, uh, Autry's I believe was tumbling tumbleweeds (laughs) and he sang, he sang, obviously, but he also sang, uh, a song that that he had already made popular, that silver-haired dad of mine. Uh, And and those were both very popular, especially among the kids. And Autry always had, he'd yodel, and he had kind of an awkwardness on camera because he had never really acted before. And he couldn't ride very well. Um, And so he always felt a little out of place. And that, I think, endeared him to his audiences, whereas my dad already... Had you know he had done Black Legion, he had done Petrified Forest, he had done all these big movies, and already he had his, he could really ride and he could really sing, and I think a lot of his westerns came off as almost a little too polished, um, which you know it, it didn't necessarily work, and we still we still see that like we can have a huge blockbuster picture with millions and millions and millions of dollars of CGI and, and and big gay list stars and all this, you know, to try to make it work, but there's, there's an element missing. And I think that, that piece of the Western, when it was too polished and too good, it, it, it it didn't appeal to the audiences as as much as something that was kind of down home feeling and something more relatable, um, and that was kinda that race that he found him in with himself in with Gene Autry, which again was an interesting which was an interesting uh period of time because if it wasn't for that race and those two guys, the whole the whole uh Western era wouldn't have been what it is. I mean I'm sure the there were Western mates. yeah, Yeah, the genre would have existed, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have become what what we all new and all those singing cowboys that came after them uh wouldn't wouldn't have had that in. So it's it's a neat piece. It, it really is a neat nice, neat piece of Hollywood history. I for think sure. so.
1: And I saw your father. This is one funny thing I see. I don't remember the sure. movie he was, but he had like this uh the cowboy corral chorus. You <laughs> know, all the cowboys <laughs> behind him. Right. You're sweet, and they're all singing behind your father, and your father's got some cute tomato, and he goes up to a, a row, the mountain, he starts singing to her with his crooning, but he he doesn't have that Como Yippee Taie kind of thing. exactly. My tumbling down them tumbleweeds, no, but he right. it was just interesting because they're supposed to be like they could get in trouble. They're, they're running in through the West, the wild, wild West. And here they are just singing around, not just one singing guy, away. but he's got his background singers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the posse, Exactly. And they're doing it. I loved it though. It's just, it's adorable. And um,
0: did those he like doing those?
1: They are fun. Yeah, he, he,
0: he loved it. And I think um, we talked a little bit about it before, but I think you know to to my dad, it was it, acting was he enjoyed it. It was better than a real job, you know, yeah. but it was still work and and you know they it wasn't they weren't paid what they're paid today. and so for him, he liked he liked the cowboy stuff because it it he liked to ride horses, he liked to play the good guy, he liked to shoot guns he and it 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 was a fun it was a fun genre um for him whereas the regular acting stuff felt a little more like work i think you know and and the cowboy stuff was a little more fun um so you know it sort of was a career path that may have cost him in the long run in some ways i mean because again here here he was if you look at black legion he was on pace with Bogart and right. Davis and, he was, you know, Leslie Howard, well, Leslie Howard was a bigger star than all right. them at the time. Um, but he was on pace to be this, uh, a big, really big legendary type actor, but he kind of went, eh, the heck with it. I had ride horses and sing and shoot the bad guys. So yes. It was. And then he, he eventually, uh, left Warners, as you know, when, went to universal and he still did, you know, like he did the, the uh, the picture that helped Universal get out of bankruptcy, the Abaddon Costello ride-on cowboy. Yeah, wasn't
1: that the most uh, popular movie of the year? I think that was the it one was. that made the most money. And, um, it was. Yeah. So, you know, you guys know him. I, I really hope you check him out because you will like him and you will. I think um, I'm starting a fan club. I think
0: I <laughs> perfect. perfect. <laughs> well, it's been fun. You know, I told you, um, I'm, I've written a, a TV show that's marching forward and moving along. I'm and so momentum, excited for you um, based around his career because he, he worked in every aspect of Hollywood and he knew all these, these, these legendary actors and directors and studio heads. And, and, and so through him, I can tell lots of his stories and their stories too. He's just a great catalyst for all that, and and it's a, a period that nobody's really explored from the cowboys. Not uh, definitely uh, not from point. the
1: cowboys' vantage right. point. But right. you know he was good. He was also he did a film noir, which I didn't know he did. Please murder me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you yeah. know that one with Raymond I Burr? I, no, I, Raymond I one Burr. Too. You should watch it with Raymond All Burr, right. Angela Lansbury. Oh, and, that's great. Yes, and Angela is charged with your father's murder, and uh,
0: who he loved. By the way, they they were friends for years and years and years.
1: I bet. I I don't know how anybody disliked Angela Lansbury. I don't. I think she was very cool, and here she is. She's still kicking today. And um, yeah, but this was an interesting movie. I think you should check it out. But for for him doing a film noir, you know, and um, she's just terrible in it. You know, like her first movie was Gaslight, and she played that little tart. And (laughs) she did. And then she played the sweetie in Dorian Gray. But she was adorable. Oh my gosh. Did her younger oh, yeah. years, she was one good looking dish. And, and um, she
0: impacted Hollywood, her whole thing, big in a huge way. Yeah.
1: And did you, her mother was an actress. And I was just talking about this movie, uh, Strange Affairs of Uncle Harry. And her mom, Moyna McGill, was an actress and singer. And um, she was very good. You can see Angela in her. So, and they did a movie together. She, she's kind lady one of the kind ladies they did a movie together she and it was very very good so that's just a little tidbit on Angela Lansbury as I digress guys as I and <laughs> want to do I do it sometimes
0: it's it's okay it's 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 you know the 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 world of Hollywood weaves in and out it you know does the, the storylines yes. and the characters and
1: definitely
0: and, uh, yeah I was surprised like I said I was surprised to see uh, that the same director from Petrified Forest did did Black Legion the next year with those actors. And, and everybody
1: yeah. that I read said they thought this was a much superior film, and I have to agree. I mean, I liked Petrified Forest, and, yes, mm-hmm. I did call him Duke Manatee when his name was Mantee, and Man. I apologize for
0: that. <laughs> we all love manatees.
1: Oh, who doesn't? Yeah. They're the cutest exactly. things ever. Anyway, yeah. uh I thought that was a good movie, but I really, really enjoyed this just because it was so relevant and it felt very now, and right. um, and like you said, it was it was with the time, of the depression, and with Betty Davis stuck in that town, and your your father being the big football lunk who <laughs> was right. going to marry Betty because who else was there? They were all ninety five right, right. years old, so. Uh, It was—that was a great film, too. But uh, your father then pretty much quit doing films and did basically 20 years of TV, correct?
0: Yeah, I mean, he he did—he did—I don't know that it was—again, he he made some interesting career decisions, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think— when television came out, he did a ton of live television. Uh, he did all the Burns Allen shows. Uh, he did a lot for
1: lou Productions. I was reading um, his whole thing. It's amazing. Yeah, he did. He did a
0: ton of live TV, um, did a lot of singing on, on different shows. Um, but yeah, he, I don't, I don't know that there may have been a bit of a conscious decision like, hey, look, you know, as, as they talk about now, movies are, are dying out because now people have a television in their house. They don't have to go to the theater. You know, let's, let's head in that direction. Um, which as we know, may not have been the best choice, (laughs) but he worked uh,
1: solidly. Yeah.
0: He worked, he worked forever. He did a lot of gun smokes. Uh, uh, he even did a Lassie, um, tons, tons of different, his last picture that he did movie that he did, um, was, was Bridie of the Grand Canyon which would have been in like 66-ish. I'd, I'd have to look it up, um, which he played an old prospector and, of course, got killed. Um, <laughs> but but he and he was it was a Marguerite Henry book. Who wrote, you know, a lot of uh, like horse type uh, stories for kids and that kind of thing. And it was actually pretty good. Uh, he co-starred with uh, uh, an actor named Pat Conway, who was who did a lot of Westerns and what have you.
1: He, uh, I enjoyed him, and so you. Obviously, you have a horse, a horse thing. You raise Arabian horses, horses, right?
0: No quarter horses. Quarter we, horses. We, we, quarter horses. Yeah, the cowboy horse. horse.
1: The cowboy horse. <laughs> and you said to me that you were doing stunt riding on Yellowstone, the Kevin Costner series.
0: I did. I did. I, I did some stunts in it. I acted in, in it as well. Did you? Uh, I did a lot of the horsework. Cool. Yeah. Whose horsework did you do? Um, you'll well I, I doubled some some scenes for Cole Hauser. Uh Oh, I loved his dad.
1: Guys. His dad was a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. A weirdo kind uh, of actor. Yeah. But he was great. He'd play bad guys all the time, also <laughs> you show horses and you show to one of my one of my favorite guys, william shatner
0: yeah, yeah, um, he's a great guy, he's, I love him. A, a friend and a client and a great actor and and just ask, just ask just him if a, he'll
1: come on my show. What a thrill! Please, please.
0: Happy to, happy to. Would you? Um, yeah, he's he's awesome. He's out out at our ranch almost every day. And He's ninety now. And I
1: know he's amazing. He's
0: so one one or two horses every day, and works hard at it. And we're heading to a show next week.
1: Um, I know that's so exciting. Yeah, he's um, a
0: lot
1: of fun. I would love to talk to him because I just love him. I love his career. He did all these great Twilight Zones. He did this wonderful thriller that Boris Karloff um Boris Karloff did Thriller, which is a really good kind of anthology series. And he played one with Ellie Mae Clampett. And they it was about mirrors and and it was so good. He also had PTSD from the Korean War, so people thought he was nuts and whatever. But it was a really good movie. He did great he, stuff. He's awesome. I love Yeah, him. And, and he
0: continues to do. I mean, he works. He's got a movie coming out right now. He's, he's amazing
1: me to me. He really he,
0: is. I just, he is. He is incredible. I mean he and really has a is great
1: impressive. sense of humor. I used to listen sometimes. He would go on Howard Stern show. And I'm not a right. fan of Howard Stern, but I would listen and he just would play along and, and just he was very funny.
0: He he's very funny and very smart and, and uh Is he hitched? And a great actor.
1: What's that? Is he married?
0: Uh, he I, he's divorced right now. Didn't he just get
1: divorced? <laughs> <laughs> was he just just recently, <laughs> he,
0: they, they have a great relationship, and 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 Liz still rides and comes out, and and they get along great. And, you know, they're I think happily are just not married.
1: Yeah, I, maybe I don't, people I don't ask. People are much yeah. happier sometimes not married, especially yeah. whatever. Do you know a but reason? They have
0: a great relationship still. <laughs> a
1: yeah. reason Claude Rains, I had a Claude Rains daughter who I loved, Jessica, on twice, and he married quite a few times. And he married this one woman who was a concert pianist, and they lived together, and he divorced her because he couldn't stand her playing the piano all the time. <laughs> that was just it. I can't <laughs> take it anymore. Get out of here with your chopsticks. I'm, I'm done.
0: <laughs> should have taken more lessons. She should have spent more time at piano lessons.
1: No, she was good, but if yeah. you, uh, you know, geez. I, know, I, my, uh, Piano people. I know piano people, and I know what it's like to hear them rehearse. They're not always playing great songs or doing this. De- 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 de. And it can drive you mad, to be quite honest. doesn't <laughs> mean they're bad. But if you're not in the mood, you can kind of put your hand on your head and say, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't.
0: <laughs> but, I guess it's all cost-benefit cost, cost benefit analysis. What's more expor- expensive, a divorce or soundproof walls?
1: Right. And at that point, I don't think Claude was thinking it. And then he married this young, um, this young woman who really stalked him, which is a fascinating story. And he was devastated huh. when she died. Anyway, huh. back to you and your father, and I can't wait to hear if your series when, if it comes off. Yeah. I he's marching
0: along, which is good. I'm
1: very happy to hear it. And say hello to William Shatner for me and so ask him cool. if he'll come on my show. It's fun. <laughs> I'll write I'd you an email to send to him. you will have a good time. <laughs> I'd send him the one I did with um, Ed Asner, and we just fell in love. He asked me to marry him. I told you after 27 minutes. What could I tell you? (laughs) That's great. He stood me up. Yeah, I told him he had cute toes. Yeah, well, he, he was mine forever. Anyway... You are going and you're showing next week, and I am so thrilled you came on. I am so happy you watched that movie because I thought it was very important for you to see your dad in this film. Yeah,
0: it was, it was great. It was a, it's an important movie to watch. It, yeah, it, that's why I did. felt,
1: you know, I, I, I wanted you to come on after you watched that movie and wanted you to tell me what you thought because I couldn't believe you hadn't seen it. And uh-huh. congratulations <laughs> on your little whoopee-tie-yay-yay-wyatt. Yep. I'm thrilled yeah, he's, for you. He's awesome.
0: We're so happy. I am so he's happy awesome. for you
1: and your wife. Yep. Tell her congrats, congrats. Give that little I baby. Will do that. I love a little we'll give him a little uh, cutie 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 kid for me. <laughs> and just give him a big kiss on his head for me. And I love how babies smell. They're so precious. Anyway, thank you, my dear Tom Ferran. I love and thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. And I love having you on. It's a lot of fun. You know your stuff. And I enjoy it, it immensely. And so, of course, you are welcome to come back on and we can talk more Hollywood, old Hollywood stuff, because I love it. I would love like it. nothing more. It's,
0: it's so much fun. And, and as you can tell, I, I love it too. So, so I know anytime. you're great.
1: It's so much thank fun to so have much. somebody. And thank you for contacting me, because now I know about your dad. <laughs> I knew you about your dad, but I just didn't know the name. Now I know you about your dad, and now I know about you. So that's Fab. Two, 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 friends, and one.
0: <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Okay. Be more fun. <laughs> thank you so
1: much, Tom. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Thank you, Tom. Thank you and, thank you yes, and Thank TV you, everybody. Yes, and TV Thank you, everybody.
0: Bye. Right. Take care, all. Bye-bye. Listen to the stories of not only good, true. true stories.